sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. We have a very interesting topic today. The Southern Baptist Convention has really set their sights on being critical of critical race theory. And I don't know about you, but I really don't know very much about it or why they're so critical. So I've asked a colleague of mine, Timothy Golden, who teaches philosophy and is uh, an attorney, director of the legal studies program at, uh, at Walla Walla University, a Christian university, to be my guest today. Tim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you for having me, Alan. It's great to be here. So, you know, I did a little research, and so far what I found is that the Southern Baptist Convention adopted a statement in 2019 that was, you know, saying basically Scripture comes first and did not completely disavow critical race theory. But more recently, at the end of last year, some of the college presidents issued a much more critical statement rejecting critical race theory. So what is it and, you know, of what use is it for us as Christians and Christian scholars? And why are the Baptists now publicly, you know, taking issue? That's what we're going to try to do in the short time we have today. Sure, Alan. Thanks for asking. Well, critical race theory, Alan, is a theory that is a trenchant critique of American law. And this theory centers around three basic principles. One is that race and racism are not aberrations. They are not tangential effects of American life, but rather they are central to American social and political life, and that racism in particular is a permanent fixture of American life. The second principle is a criticism of the political philosophy of liberalism, which centers around representative government, individual rights, and private property. And the third characteristic of critical race theory its use of narrative and fiction to weave it in with historical events in order to make its various points. Critical race theory has several iterations. The most popular one is that advanced by the first tenured law professor at Harvard University named Derek Bell, who was himself a civil rights lawyer in the 1960s. He litigated cases in the late 50s and 60s, he litigated cases with Thurgood Marshall prior to Justice Marshall's nomination to the federal bench in New York. And uh, growing out of critical race theory in the 1970s, which is when Derrick Bell began writing in earnest, you have outgrowths or permutations or iterations of critical race theory that look at the experiences of indigenous people, Asian people, and women of black women in particular, and with the concept of intersectionality, and also Latinos. And so you have a number of iterations of critical race theory. All of them use these three different critiques in three different principles, narrative, a critique of liberalism, 
and the permanence of racism or sexism or colonization to some differing degrees, but that's the gist of what it is and what it does. So, you know, for starters, let me, as a Christian, let me just kind of respond this way. Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. We know that we live in a world where, you know, sin is not overcome in its entirety until the return of Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. So the idea that racism might be a permanent fixture of American life or life in any one of our cultures is, to me, not obviously inconsistent with our Christian worldview. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's not an idea that's grounded in Scripture per se, but it's not necessarily in conflict with it. As for a critique of liberalism, you know, as an American-trained attorney, um, I'm rather fond of many aspects of classic liberalism, which, just to be clear to our listeners, we're not talking about liberal or conservative in the sense that we think of it politically today, but as you said, our commitment to individual rights and liberties and what have you. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that, you know, black scholars who see that the black community has not benefited from uh, from our political system and structures would be even more critical of it than, you know, those of us who enjoy the privileges of being in the majority. Um, so that doesn't seem to trouble me in terms of a Christian sense. And of course, Christianity is not any particular political philosophy, although some Americans may think it is. You know, it's not. You know, we may criticize Marxism or socialism, but uh, clearly our own society and our own political system has plenty of flaws. There is no political structure that's without flaws or marred by sin. So with that kind of, you know, gut response to what you presented, let's talk about the Southern Baptists and why is it that they're so energized to be criticizing the use of critical race theory by Christians? Well, one of the sad realities of Christian theology, Alan, particularly certain strains of it, is allergy to history. <laughs> the Christian theology in many circles does not care for any meaningful engagement with historical realities or historical events. And this I find especially disturbing precisely because Christianity itself as at the core of its theology, history, right? I mean, what is the incarnation and the plan of salvation other than an eternal God becoming historical right? in the person of Jesus Christ, right? And we insist that the reality of the birth, you know, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is historical fact. Exactly. And if it is not historical fact, we argue, there is no such thing as salvation. Right. So it strikes me that our engagement with history is quite selective because we want to use it to justify our doctrine, but we don't want to use it to be attentive to notions of injustice that have plagued us historically. And I think that is at the core of the Southern Baptists' problem with critical race theory. Regardless of what they may say, there is a real inclination on the part of many white Christians to avoid a discussion 
a, a serious discussion of American history because in doing so, they don't have to deal with any of the guilt they may feel for what has happened to African-Americans, indigenous people, Latinos, and for the things that continue to happen. So it makes sense to me if your theological starting point is one that says we have to be selectively abstract in our consideration of history and avoid it when it means we have to be morally responsible, but embrace it to justify our dogma and our doctrine, then it doesn't surprise me at all that the Southern Baptist Convention has taken that stance. So, especially since Christian theology was complicit in chattel slavery and in that history, it's an attempt to sort of sanitize the Christian gospel from what it sees as something that obviously today is indefensible. So 2020 was a year that was notable not only for the pandemic, but for the, the big ticket social issue being Black Lives Matter, the police violence and killing of a number of, you know, notorious cases, um, George Floyd and, and a number of others. And the one response that I see from the Council of Seminary Presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention at the end of the year, at the end of this year, of all this energy and attention on the role of race in society and racial injustice, is to reject this critical race theory, this you know focus on on the history of race. That strikes me as particularly ill-timed, and I can't help but think about the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention was established back during the middle of the 19th century that the Baptists splintered over race. And the Southern Baptists, you know, represented the, the white power structures of the South as opposed to the Northern Baptists who were abolitionists. This is, it may be ill-timed, but Alan, as you articulate that history of the Southern Baptists, they've always been ill-timed. Right. I mean, these were the clergy, in part, who Martin Luther King was addressing in his letter from Birmingham jail. Right. I mean, what did talk about inopportune timing? I mean, here's a, a good Baptist preacher who is engaged in the work of social justice in a protest march and is imprisoned. And his greatest enemy is white clergy. Right. So it's not surprising that the same ethos that Dr. King had to resist in 1963 when he was confined to a jail cell in Birmingham is the same ethos that would come out today and call for the demise of a theoretical legal critique in critical race theory that helps in part expose how law legitimates rather than eradicates white supremacy. Not surprising at all to me. Well, I do note that they speak out of both sides of the mouth, because on the one hand, they reject critical race theory, but they also affirm that their opposition to racism and that the quote, the gospel gives a better answer. And I'm not sure what that really says. The gospel gives a better answer. You know, there's that old children's song that we like to quote, you know, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Well, 
Okay, so maybe, you know, the gospel tells us that we are all children of God, you know, the same regardless of the color of our skin, but that's not an answer to racial injustice in society. It is not an answer. That is a sort of pathetic colorblind, that's imposing liberalism, a sort of colorblind liberalism onto the gospel and resulting in an interpretation of the gospel that, again, ignores history. If we're all the same inside, then our unique racial identities or ethnic identities don't matter at all. And if my identity doesn't matter, my history doesn't matter. And if my history doesn't matter, then here you are as a Christian disregarding what is the very foundation of the plan of salvation, which is a historical intervention into human affairs in order to save fallen humanity by grace. And so any sort of attempt to dismiss critical race theory in the name of the gospel actually undermines the gospel rather badly. Tim, you said something very profound there that requires much deeper thought from all of us. That, you know, it's not enough to take the New Testament writings about, you know, there's neither Jew or Greek, you know, etc. We're all one in Christ and eliminate social, political, cultural differences because then we erase people's identity. That's right. And that's kind of a new thought to me. And I think when it comes to evangelism and the work of the church, you know, it's so important for us to affirm people in their identity that they can be who they are and be loved by God for who they are, just as they are. And I think that's the core gospel truth, isn't it? Jesus takes us as we are. He doesn't leave us as we are, but he accepts us as we are. He accepts us as we are, and he loves us as we are, and he made us who we are for a reason. And we are way over time on this one. So thank you, Tim Golden. This has been Freedom Spring. I'm your host, Alan Rhinoff. Until next week, let freedom ring.